Welcome to Darkness Dwells, episode 24. I am your host, Jason White, and this week we have an awesome show for you. Uh, But before I uh, get to any of the descriptions for what we are doing this week and what's to come, um, how about I talk about our sponsors? And our sponsor is audible.com. If you go to uh, www dot audibletrial.com slash darkness dwells you can choose a free audiobook and that would start your uh, uh, free trial membership which is one month and every month thereafter you pay approximately $15 and that gets you one credit and one credit gets you one audiobook so that's one audiobook for $15 a month and that is a steal let me tell you and uh, as usual, I have a uh, I have a recommendation, and this one goes with uh, what we're talking about this week. And uh, it is Wes Craven, the Man and His Nightmare. Now, this is a audio or a autobiography by written by John Woolley, and it's narrated by Pete Larkin. The length is seven hours and twenty five minutes of unabridged audiobook. That means it's not been cut. Not at all. (laughs) And uh, here is the synopsis. Uh, The life and film genius of A Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream director Wes Craven. Wes Craven is one of the most successful and iconic horror movie directors in Hollywood. His masterful examination of the nightmarish nexus of dreams and reality helped spark a career that has spanned close to 40 years. Then... With their mix of horror, sex, and humor, Craven's Scream movies helped revitalize the slasher film genre. An absorbing portrayal of cult film director Wes Craven's life and career in film. It draws on the author's new or newer interviews, I should say, with Craven, including little-known details about the director's life and work. Uh, and work insights into the making of Nightmare on Elm Street movies and the Scream films. Scream films, uh, the number one, <clears throat> which is the number one f- horror franchise of all time. Uh, fascinating stories are also in this book about the director's work with the range of producers, screenwriters, and actors, including Robert England. So that comes highly recommended, and it really ties into what we're talking about this week. Me and Michael, we uh, we'd planned this for the last couple of weeks where uh, we wanted to pay our tribute to uh, Wes Craven, who passed away uh, a little while ago. And uh, so we sit down and we talk about three of his movies, lesser-known movies, I would add also. And uh, stay tuned to see (laughs) just what those movies are. But first, first we are going to head right on in to the news. There's not very much this week, I'm afraid to say, but that's okay, because we're all pressed for time, aren't we? Cryogenics. Chris, do you realize what this is? You heard of freeze-dried coffee, right? Well, this is like a freeze-dried human. A corpsicle. Okay, so this week, um, I'm not going to do any movie news, because uh, there's not really all that much out there that interests me. uh, Too much, anyway. I know that there's going to be some stuff we're going to want to talk about very soon, but uh, uh, but I want to stick to the new releases mainly this week. Um, so for Permuted Press, uh, 
we have Reign of Four, Part Four by Jake Bible. Um, and that's it for Premier Press this week. Uh, they have a lot coming out uh, in the near future, though. Um, from Permuted Press, or not Permuted Press, sorry, from Severed Press, uh, we have uh, a few things. Um, we have, uh, let me see here, I'm not too sure if I reported this one last week, so I'll repeat it. The e- Eternal Undead in the Time of the Dead, Book 3, and that's by David Manette. Uh, we also have The Island by Michael Bray, uh, Chaos Theory, a zombie novel by Rich Restucci, uh, Vengeance from the Deep, book two of Blood of the Nicala by Russ Elliott, and Vengeance from the Deep, book one by, or sorry, book one, uh, Pliosaur by Russ Elliott, also by Russ Elliott, yes. Uh, so he had two out this week. Um, so that's uh, that, that all looks pretty interesting. And uh, from uh, Dark Views, we have Snowblind 2, The Killing Grounds by Michael McBride. <laughs> now I'm laughing here because uh, that's it. <laughs> so uh, we're going to cut to some real important messages here. And when we get back... We will be talking to Michael, and we will discuss some Wes Craven. It rests on 13 acres of earth over the very center of hell. the first motion picture to offer to the daring a look into the final maddening space between life and death the last house on the left to avoid fainting keep repeating it's only a movie only a movie only a movie sights and sounds far beyond anything you've tested last house on the left. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. Take as much as you can. Only a movie. has been gone for 40 years now. There's nothing back in there but animals. A lot. The old creep told you not to get off the road. What began as a vacation ended as a nightmare. You held the pain now. thought she knew what the world was all about, but nothing prepared her for this. The hills have eyes. 
A mother fighting for her child loses it in the worst possible way. I hit him with a spider iron and I split his face wide open. That was a bad mistake. I come back for you later, Charlie. Why are you doing this? The story of an American family who lost everything except the will to survive. Murdered, raped, burned, but not beaten. The hills have eyes. The story of one family's refusal to die. I'm going to get those animals. The hills have eyes. A night of terror. A day of vengeance where no one was spared. No one. Kill the babe! Kill me! They fought back. Anything was a weapon. The family dog to the family car. It's working! The hills have eyes. The most shocking, terrifying film you will ever see by Wes Craven, writer and director of The Last House on the Left. The hills have eyes. The lucky ones died first. In every neighborhood, there is one house that adults whisper about and children cross the street to avoid. Now, Wes Craven, creator of A Nightmare on Elm Street, takes you inside. Something's in there. We gotta get out of here, Leroy. All sorts of rumors about what goes on in that house. The police never took it serious. She's been feeding that thing between the walls again. Very, very tense about this. There must be another way out. Can't get out. No one ever has. What goes on in this house is a sin. Your father's one sick mother, you know that? Actually, your mother's one sick mother, too. But what goes on under the stairs <laughs> is a nightmare. It is time to clean house! Scravens, the people under the stairs. So how's it going? It's okay. Been busy. How about yourself? I've been very busy. Like last few yeah. days, I've I've hardly had any sleep. I'm, I'm well. I slept well last night, but it just still wasn't long enough, you know. Yeah, when you need more to catch up. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, today it seemed like no matter what I did, I was behind. I couldn't catch up. Uh, those I hate those days. Like oh yeah, today was definitely one of those days. Yeah. And it just yeah, it just keeps going and going. Yeah. But that's the way it is. Like a goddamn uh, runaway train. Yeah. Like a wagon, like a coach, like a wagon coach, stage coach. <laughs> <laughs> like a play password. Wait, wagon coach, wagon train. Yeah, and it's on fire. Yeah. 
<laughs> out of control. Yeah, no horses to slow it down, or mm-hmm. bodies. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, so Wes Craven. <laughs> yes. He uh, he passed away. Uh, I don't know how long ago. It was about a month ago. Yeah, about. The the strange thing I I found about his death was that uh, how hard it hit everyone because uh, well because he was up there in age and it like I was like surprised too but I didn't know he was that old I thought he was in his sixties I didn't realize he was almost eighty but it was still like a wow nobody knew he was sick and that's the thing you know I mean a lot of times we hear about a, a celebrity you know we get a little bit of bit of news you know it becomes a whole story about whether or not they're doing well but but this just came out of nowhere yeah <laughs> it, i don't know because like uh earlier this year christopher lee died and everyone just sort of like ah well he was 93 you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, it's my understanding that pretty much anyone over 70 can go almost you know, yeah. almost at any time because, you know, your body's old and things tend to not work as well, especially important things like your heart or, or your liver or your brain. And it seems like he was working right up until the end, too. I mean, I, I absolutely cannot remember, like, the, the last thing that he directed that came out. But, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like we hadn't heard from him in a long time either. Yeah, he was actually involved with uh, that Scream television show. Yeah, that's right. I don't think he was directing anything, but he was producing it. And then um, I think they, I was, I heard that he quietly sort of, uh, while he was sick there, he quietly sort of backed off and didn't, didn't do too much. But he wanted it kept private that he was sick. Mm. And then it's crazy when my my heroes, my idols, start dying. Now they're supposed to be for. For a different generation. Yeah. Well, Wes Craven, he really, um, he really changed uh, the movie horror, uh, the horror genre for movies. Uh, with there's some people saying like up to three separate, uh, with three separate movies, uh, there was uh, significant changes that he made or influenced. And well, two of them, uh, I are easy is uh, the Friday the third or not Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, and obvi- and Scream too. The, both Scream, those yeah. movies, yeah, they they like really, my God, like uh, those had huge impact on especially Scream. Scream really uh, revved things up. I found, but um, it did. I mean, everything now has become self-aware. Well, not everything, but I mean that's like a legitimate point of view now, and yeah. and it just wasn't. I remember sitting in in the theater back home watching Scream and, and it was just so new it was so fresh and just every single thing about it felt so vibrant I'd never seen anything like that mm-hmm. me too I uh, I remember being completely like engrossed in the first movie um, like it, it hypnotized me and uh, I, I didn't think it would be as good as it was but yeah. the funny thing is is I haven't seen it since um, I was at uh, Walmart the other day though and they had the first scream on DVD for like uh, three dollars and forty or eighty cents or whatever. So obviously I picked it up. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, though. I, I keep meaning to, but it's just one of those things, you know. Yeah, I watched it maybe a couple years ago, and I had forgotten really how good it was. 
because there's a lot of sequels and everything, and of course the whole um, the uh, scary movie franchise, yeah. stab, you know that that's become its own entity too. But just watching the original again was like, now I get it. That that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, it has all these spoofs and all these sequels because it's just that good. Yeah, and uh, it was just like that with uh, uh, with Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yeah. Um, what, what do you prefer, Nightmare on Elm Street or uh, uh, Friday the 13th? I mean, it's neck and neck. It, it really just goes by my mood, you know? Yeah. Um, I do think that some of the... I think the Friday the 13th sequels as a whole are a little bit better than some of the Nightmare ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, the... Uh, see, I just didn't like when Freddy got kind of jokey. Yeah. And and I've been watching all of them kind of slowly over the last over the last month, and I just watched Dream Child, and that was just so goddamn terrible. I mean, just <laughs> just awful movie. I mean, granted, like uh, Freddy Freddy, I'm, I'm doing it too. Jason goes to hell. That yeah. one, that is, that's just a piece of shit too. But. <laughs> You know, it's just it just depends on mood because you know yeah. sometimes I want Freddy, sometimes Jason. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. Um, they're both different characteristics, and they kill differently in a way. So, uh, like uh, Jason, he's always creative with his kills, and Freddy, yeah. well, he has his he has his claws or his claws, his uh, glove there with those. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he pretty much just uses those, but he he can get creative too. Um, you know. And what's interesting, because of course I um, I wrote that blog on, on Last House on the Left, maybe yeah. about a month ago, because yeah. I because I, I watched those two before Wes Craven's death, and Sean S. Cunningham was a producer on that, huh. and I I had never I never knew that before, it never registered with me that he was he was with Wes Craven there on his first film, and then went on to do, you know, a, a rival. Franchise that was just as big as Craven's. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, you know, all these guys they go out for beers after the wrestling match, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I used to always say. I, I used to be a wrestling fan a long time ago uh, when I was a kid, and you know, the good guy versus bad guy. I, I'd always say that. You know. Yeah. Uh, after the match, they go have a beer because they've been you know practicing the whole thing for the last week or two. <laughs> You know, I'll I'll have to message you separately, but I've watched a couple documentaries about uh, professional wrestling that are really, really great. Oh, yeah? I'll, I'll double-check their names, and I'll, I'll send them to you. I think they're on Netflix. Yeah, that that would be cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Wes Craven, he has, like, a lot of, uh, a lot of films under his, uh, just under writing alone, um, he he's written a lot. Like the the three movies we're going to concentrate on a little bit anyway. Uh, in this episode, he wrote them all and uh, directed them all. Um, now there's a a little bit of a debate ever since his death uh, among other podcasters and and bloggers whether or not Wes Craven was a, a actually a good director or not. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of a lot of that, and I think it's garbage. I think oh, yeah? I think he's the great director. I think that he is frankly a genius. And mm-hmm. and anybody I think anybody in in the arts 
any writer, painter, director, anything. They're going to have stumbles, but especially when somebody is as prolific as Wes Craven. I yeah. mean, it's it's just it's going to happen, and I don't think you know a few crappy films should should change her mind to think, oh well, you know, he had some bombs there. He wasn't that good. You know, bullshit. Yeah. He was. That's yeah. my statement. Yeah, um, I think it, well, obviously, if if you have the the power to influence the horror genre, not just once, but like three separate times, then obviously you're onto something. Um, I think uh, I wouldn't say that he was uh, before his time or anything like that, but I think uh, it's kind of it's actually kind of difficult to understand Wes Craven's take on uh, on things. That that's interesting. How so? Well, although you're a big fan of uh, the original Last House on the Left, right? Yes, I am. Well, you take like that movie is so. That movie is so weird <laughs> because yeah. you're you're taking you're taking like you know how we have this theme of of uh, reviewing quirky horror movies. Yeah, we well, really do. This one, uh, Last House on the Left, is one of the quirkiest I've ever seen. It uh, is. It's because it takes such a serious topic, a topic that actually scares the shit out of me. I, I can't fathom the idea of being. Uh, taken hostage, I guess you could say, and uh, not being able to leave, and and knowing that you could very well die. Yeah. <laughs> these guys, these assholes, are gonna, you know, they're gonna do terrible things to you. Um, and but and make it somewhat of a comedy, because I wouldn't say Last House on the Left is a comedy, but the the score mixed with uh, <laughs> the the yeah. way the the family acts, uh, it, it's almost it, it's almost a comedy. There are incredibly jarring elements of that. I mean, like, uh, I mean, the soundtrack, like you mentioned, and, and that one scene when, um, when the younger, younger kid, Junior, was, was he just Junior? When, when he does his frog imitation, I go, ribbit, ribbit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but, but I think there lies the, uh, the genius of, of Wes Craven and of Last House on the Left. Because he, you know, is point counterpoint. Um, you know, uh, yeah. kind of needed the the little release valve, maybe a little bit to to yeah. give the audience a little breath, but also to even hammer home even more the the terrible things that were going to happen. You know, you you compare it to well, geez, we were just laughing with that guy. Now and you know, now we're yeah. we're, we're now witnessing. He's, now he's, yeah, now he's doing something horrible. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the actually the brilliance of the film as well, is because despite the uh, the soundtrack, uh, the music is is or the score, it's really weird because it, it's almost a kind of a, it's almost clownish in a sense. You know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah, uh, I and, do. Yeah, but at the same time, it doesn't take away from the tension of what's going on. Yeah, it seems like it's a it's a part of. The statement that he's making. I mean, it's it's really important for the family, for the Collingwoods, to come across as 
as not even just average, you know, because they really get along. They're they're really friendly. There's there's a really positive atmosphere there. Which incidentally, I thought that the remake just completely voided. You know, the parents were were self obsessed, and and the the main main character, who I think they changed her name, or maybe it was her friend's name that was changed. But she's she's that overachieving daughter, everything on the swim team and all that. But mm-hmm. the original had that kind of down home feel. Yeah, and uh, they acted very well, like a family. You know, with yeah. the ribbing each other or getting yeah. the, like sort of like the little, little physical matches and gave. stuff. Yeah, and slapping each yeah. other on the head, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, the actors really, really nailed the role too. Uh, because of that, like you, you can buy that these guys are all related. And the father, the father's creepy. <laughs> well, they're all creepy when it comes down to it, but the father really creeped me out for some reason. Well, it was, I had, it's interesting because I, you asked if I was a fan of it and I, and I said that I was, but I've only ever seen it the once. Although oh, yeah. I tried to watch it twice before. The first time was with my mom because uh-huh. we used to watch horror movies together and we liked uh-huh. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street. We we liked watching the the Wes Craven movies. So I rent Last House on the Left, and you know when it gets to the point where they make her pee her pants, that was when it's like, okay, we need to turn this off because you know not going to watch that kind of crap with my mom. Yeah. So that kind of kind of tainted it a little bit and started feeling like kind of a dirty movie. Yeah. And I rented it maybe ten years after that, and it was like. Right at about the same point, I got a phone call that my uncle had died. So then I had to abandon that and I had to go tend to family issues. So, so the movie kind of had this dark connotation for me anyway. And I finally, I don't know what, what, uh, made me think of it, but I decided to just sit down and finally watch it. So. (laughs) Yeah. Um, to be honest, I, uh, uh, I saw it, oh god, I, I was probably in my late teens, and it didn't really leave an impression on me until I watched it the second time uh, recently, and I was like, this movie is really fucking weird, I don't know how I uh, I didn't notice that before, <laughs> but... Uh, but uh you know you know it's it's enjoyable though uh, i i, I kind of like how they mix the the comedy and the the, uh, the serious uh, tension that that builds uh, when you talk about uh that scene where they make her pee her pants it that's part of the escalation because at first they're just like oh you're not going anywhere when they pick up the, when they pick up the girls they're like you're not going anywhere uh we're just going to have some fun we're going to party right and yeah because we're watching a, a movie, we know that it's going to go in some dark <laughs> areas. But you can almost believe them that they just want to have some fun, and they're—I don't know—they're just not letting letting them go for whatever reason. Uh, well, you also have that tension because you know, uh, right at the beginning of the story, you learn who this family is and and where they uh, <laughs> where they came from. As I believe, two of them escaped from uh, what was it, prison? Or something like that, or a mental—I I can't like, even remember specifically. It's either a prison or a mental institute for the criminally insane. One of the two. And <laughs> I don't remember if they escaped in the original, did they? Or was he was he just out on? Because it was the father. I think the father got was released. He was out on parole. 
No, it could be, he escaped because it he was did. on the news. Yeah, it was oh. on the news, and uh, yeah, that's how we I'm learned sorry. about it, because we're following the girls uh, as they get yeah. ready for their night for the concert. And uh, See how I just make things up? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, the, so uh, it, it's kind of brilliantly played. I mean, if, if you don't watch movies or, or write horror stories like we do, mm-hmm. you might not pick it up. Because it's like it's on the TV in the background as uh, as one of the girls is talking to her parents before she leaves, and uh, it, it's there. It's loud enough to hear, uh, but you know, knowing <laughs> where we're going, it's obvious that these these guys are going to end up, you know, taking these women, and uh, so yeah. <laughs> and I yeah, think that the uh, that whole humiliation of them was a very interesting was was really a, a brilliant writing decision because yeah. it'd be so easy to just show violence but Craven just made it so uncomfortable just so unsavory by giving it a lot of a lot of mental torture that they went through rather than just you know hurting them it, yeah. it really you know it makes me squeamish and very few things make me squeamish yeah it, it is it's hard to watch because and that's what confuses me about this movie. It confuses me in a good way, though, because I, I like how you, you have, like I said, that clownish sort of music, and then, and then you have them doing these terrible, these terrible things. The tension just keeps getting uh, more and more. And well, the story doesn't end with the girls, but I don't want to go too far into it in case people haven't seen it. But it, it really. Uh, the tension just keeps building until it it sort of climaxes and then it starts over again, and uh, and the ending itself is uh, it's pretty dark, but you know there's no other way for it to end really. And it was just it's such a it's such a statement that he wanted to examine um, what what would change people good people into being. The same kind of people as as our criminals. I yeah. mean, you you get somebody that's that's wholesome, that's kind. What will it take for them to cross that line? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I had never seen The Hills Have Eyes, the original, mm-hmm. until we planned on this show. And he does the same thing in that movie. He makes the people that we root for start doing these terrible acts and really makes yeah. us as the audience question where our loyalty should lie and maybe look into ourselves and think, you know, would I be capable of that? And what does that mean about me? Yeah. Well, <laughs> to be honest with you, I've already had thoughts like that. If somebody were doing <laughs> that to my family, I would have no uh, compunction about uh, taking <laughs> t- taking measures to even yeah. the score or... Uh, Especially if you're in a situation where you're being held hostage, if if yeah. you get the upper hand, I would I would take advantage. I would I would take advantage of that. <laughs> I would uh, use it to my benefit to hopefully save my family and myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And uh, but I like that he asks those questions because not everybody thinks of that. Uh, I only think about it because I have a sick and twisted mind and I can't <laughs> help but yeah. obsess about terrible things. But and a lot but, uh, of time our entertainment takes the more simple route. I mean, you watch a horror movie, there's good, there's bad. Any kind of movie, there's the good guys, there's the bad guys. 
and there's plays on it, you know, but but to really go hardcore, wait a minute, we were rooting for the good guys and now they're doing this. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, but, yeah. I, I think, though, honestly, it, what, what makes it genius is because in the end, the good guys are kind of doing the same thing as the bad guys, but if if the director, like Wes Craven, is doing the job correctly, you're still rooting for the good guys. Oh, exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, and you don't actually see it that way until you stop and think about it. Yep. And uh, so that's... Uh, but, yeah, he's showing you two sides of the coin right there. And uh, and and that's a fascinating look into human... Uh, you know, just the way humans are. The way we think, the way we act, and the way we uh, often treat each other. Very true. Very true. I mean, it, if you take out the violence, it... it <laughs> um. If you take out the outward violence, because God knows the things that things that we think. I mean, it may not be literal violence, but the shit that people do, say, think, post is, yeah. uh, you know, it, it crosses the line. That you know, a lot, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, uh, with the uh, the house on the left, uh, you you uh, saw the remake. Uh, I did not see the remake, so is it still worth seeing the remake of that? I I say no. Um, no? It's just, it doesn't take as firm of a stance, and they change certain elements about the ending, that's all I'm going to say, but they, okay. they change certain things that in the original, everything made sense that that happened after that, and in the remake, you kind it kind of gets lost, I thought. I, yeah. I just... Yeah, that's too bad. It just wasn't that good. And the parents, like like I like I had mentioned, um, they just they didn't have that rapport. You know, they were they were the you know modern day parents. They were all busy and distracted, and I don't know. It just didn't have the same resonance. Yeah, yeah. Um, the hills have eyes. Was uh, I didn't like it as much as the last house on the left. To be honest with you, it it, it had very much similar concept. Except a very different setting, um, but it's it's still it's one that sticks with you. <laughs> I honestly yeah. I think this may have given birth to uh, the whole mutant, uh, uh, the mutant uh, redneck uh, uh, subgenre of literary yeah. horror fiction, like Edward Lee type stuff, the header, and because uh, that stuff's insane. But I swear <laughs> that. Uh, Edward Lee and guys like that saw this movie and were blown away by it and and decided to make a you know their own. <laughs> it it's definitely one of the first to do that. And and it's weird because when we move on to The Hills Have Eyes, I have to say that I kind of like the remake better than this original one. Yeah, you know what? I do too. Uh I think it had more of a punch in what we were just it talking did. about that that uh, revenge element because um, well a lot more happens it's the remake I thought was more of a tragedy uh, in what happens to the family uh, that's victimized but the survivor really gets <laughs> really gets them back and and our mutant family in the original. I think it was probably just cost and, you know, when it was made, 1977. But they were really just people. I mean, 
Michael Berryman, of course, looks looks odd. So I guess just his his appearance was supposed to mean, oh yeah, they you know the nuclear radiation and everything. But in in yeah. the remake, you know, they really got them all gussied up, and, and they were they were real mutants. You oh, know, yeah. and in the original, they're just kind of a crazy family wearing like Paleolithic clothes. Yeah, and they looked weird. Yeah, uh, but you're right. In the remake, uh, they almost look like uh, uh, Hatchet type. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, the killer in Hatchet. And uh, what's another movie with mutants? I, I was just, I just had it. Oh well. Well, um, I think of um, the the famed X Files episode Home. Yeah. We'll get that way through inbreeding, but but still, <laughs> you know, they're really warped physically and mentally. Yeah. And just looking at them, you know, kind of turns your stomach. Oh, it was wrong turn I was thinking of the mutants oh, and that. Yeah, because um, they're pretty uh, uh, out there. Uh, except these these guys, they have a reason for being the mutants. They are. <laughs> yeah. Speak, you know, the, the whole nuclear uh, because they live in the area where they're testing nuclear bombs, so they're all mutated and and uh, god awful to look at. <laughs> And again, with the with the remake, there's that entire opening sequence over the opening titles, where it, it really talks about that. Yeah. But it's really only mentioned, I think, once in the original that that was a uh, that they're at a test site, sort of almost like an afterthought, you know. Yeah. I and I think they actually live in one of the test site towns, don't they? Yeah. That I guess never really truly got blown away, but. Uh, They've taken up residence there. What do you think was the meaning behind naming them after planets? Do you think that was just something to do? It uh, to me, it had occurred to me that maybe we're supposed to think that there are more out there because nine planets, and I don't think we met. I mean, we didn't meet the Saturn, we didn't meet uh, Neptune. Yeah, we have. So that would mean that there's others out there. Yeah, well, we have Jupiter, Pluto, and Mars. Um, what else? So we have Mercury. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's it. But uh, you know, that's a good point. Maybe there. I like movies that kind of do that to make you think. Like maybe, maybe there's more out there. Uh, you know, leaving. I guess I should watch the sequel. Maybe the sequel is about is <laughs> about oh, God. and, you and know, Uranus and everybody. It, it very well maybe. But God, I yeah, don't watch the sequel. <laughs> really? Is it that bad? Uh, well, I watched it about oh God, I don't know how long ago. It's got to be close to ten years ago when it first came out in DVD. Uh, I watched it then, and I had to turn it off early. It was so bad. But I might, huh. I might view it differently now. I don't know. Well, I'll have to at least try. I mean, when I yeah. hear a movie's that bad, I have to at least try. I love the Hills Have Eyes remake. That's like one of my favorites, actually. Uh, yeah. Of all time, um, but the remake was just such a horrible piece of shit. I thought. Not the sequel. <laughs> hey. Yeah, the sequel. Yeah, the sequel is just a piece of shit. I felt it was <laughs> just oh, like I can't even remember why I hated it so much. I, it, it's not in my memory at all, uh, so I can't say for sure. Oh yeah, I think it was. It had a bit of a found footage feel to it, maybe. Um, oh. It's not that I'm against found footage. If I could be wrong about this too, I'm not against found footage at all. But it it just wasn't done well. 
I, I can't remember exactly, but uh, hmm. I just remember being very disappointed. And well, they haven't made a third, so <laughs> I can't be and, the only and one. While I while I look around on on IMDb as we talk, I did not realize that The Hills Have Eyes Two also has a remake, and I have never seen that one either. Oh, but yeah, I thought you were talking. I thought that's what we were talking about. The Hills Have Eyes Two. No, I just thought about the about the original part two. Oh, oh, is there original part two? Yeah, yeah, you with Michael I... Berryman, even though he dies at the end of the first one. Sorry for the <laughs> spoiler, folks. Spoiler you know alert. We, yeah, no, you actually, know we do it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know there was a, re- uh, a, a sequel to that. Yeah. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm going to have to check that out because uh, that's not what I was thinking. I was talking about the uh, the, the remake and then its sequel. Um, but, yeah, that... that uh, I'm gonna have to check that out because I honestly I was completely I'm surprised. I, that's something you think I would I would know, but <laughs> it, it happens, right? And there it is, actually, right there. Hilva. Well, geez, with as much as we watch, it's no wonder some slip through. Yeah, well, I don't think it was a very well. It's probably probable that I have heard of it. I just didn't really care to see it that much, or it just sort of went over my head. Yeah. The, I'm looking at the poster for it right now, and it's it's kind of insane looking. <laughs> oh, God, I love that red face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like uh, uh, Oliver Reed there dressed as the devil. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I see that the Craven wrote and direct that, too, so... Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. I'm going to have to hunt it down now. Yeah, so, so oh, it's got a three point seven rating. <laughs> Ouch! On IMDb, that's painful. Let's see what the original has. The original is six point four. So, hmm. that's pretty good. I wonder what Last House on the Left has here. Six point oh. That seems a little low for that movie. You know, one of yeah. the uh, the inspirations for my writing the blog about that. Was because I'm I'm always looking through lists, you know that, and yeah. I just don't see the Last House on the Left in the in the top, even top twenty five of any of the best horror of all time or most disturbing of all time. And yet it's and always mentioned. It certainly it, it's should always, be, I think. It, it's always mentioned when people talk about horror films in Wes Craven. Yeah. But like you said, it it doesn't ever make those top ten. It's for some reason, people I think just overlook it for whatever reason. Um, I can't say why. Otherwise, it's I a mystery. No, I think it's a shame. <laughs> yeah, it is. <clears throat> um, uh, it could have fallen under the shadow of like a uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street because that always makes lists. It certainly does, and of course, Scream now too. If you're yeah. talking about best, you know that. Yeah. Yeah, those always make the lists. Um, I, I find that the more obscure horror movies don't always do. Cause it, the the top twenty five are always reserved for movies like The Exorcist, uh, you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, uh, Jaws usually. Jaws, Psycho. yeah. Although there's a, there's an interesting argument whether or not Jaws is a, a horror movie. It absolutely is a horror movie. Yes, its intention may not have been, you know. I, know, to be honestly, horror, I, oh, I think so. I think so, honestly. 
it, it, it's a monster movie. It is. Flat out. I mean, you have you take uh, you take uh, the shark from Jaws, and you compare it to something like uh, Alien, and you're talking about two different animals. Uh, animals are very much monsters <laughs> when yeah. it comes to killing humans. So. <laughs> So it doesn't matter. You have a, a monster in the sea, and, uh, you know, they need to make, well, not more shark movies, but giant monsters in the sea. Yeah. Please, please, God, no more shark movies. You know, I, I actually did watch the one about the shark in the supermarket, and it wasn't half bad. Just yeah, the bait. <laughs> yeah, that's a good movie. That's uh, At first, you're like, that sounds stupid, but they make it believable. Cause the so way that they get around to, <laughs> to yeah. making the concept. You know, come through on screen. I was very, very inventive. Yeah, um, so that, yeah, that's actually a pretty good movie. I like that one. <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on to our third movie, and now I know you love this movie to death. Oh, I love it to death. The People Under the Stairs. Now, of course, I'm being a, a little sarcastic here, but I, I get the impression you didn't like this one very much. No, I did not. Um, it certainly does not help my argument that Wes Craven was, was a horror master and genius. Mm-hmm. But, you know, while I was watching this and not liking it, I did a, did a quick, <laughs> quick little check. And, and a lot of the reasons why I didn't like it, um, which kind of goes, you know, it was, it was kind of tepid. It's, you know, a little bit too comedic, but, I think I think that was just kind of a trend of the 90s. I mean, let's see, we've got, I wrote these down, John Carpenter did They Live, which has the same kind of vibe. Um, you've got uh, practically a dozen different uh, sequels with all the Amityville sequels, Basket Case sequels, Child's Play sequels, Buffy the Vampire Slayer came out, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the 90s, and that is, you know, a comedic take on something that's classically horror. So... Yeah. You know, the 90s are fast becoming my least favorite decade for horror. Oh, yeah, it very much is for me, too. I actually wrote uh, I wrote a top ten list, just one of those, you know, for shits and giggles uh, uh, of 90s horror movies. And when I went to research the topic <laughs> for this, I there was, like, very little uh, released in... Like, I even... I found a list of every movie per year during the 90s of horror movies that were released. Yeah. And there's hardly anything. <laughs> and so I ended up picking, like, really good movies, like Seven and... Yeah. Uh, and uh, I forget what else, honestly. But Silence of the Lambs, of course, is also one of those that, if yeah. you really think about it, it's, it's yeah. pretty much horror. And, and that one, I, I mean, that's an excellent film. I'm pretty sure that made the list, too. I'm not sure. Um but, uh, in the Mouth I, of Madness too came out oh, in yes. the nineties, and I think that's that's a wonderful movie. I love that movie. It's, it's so Lovecraftian; it hurts. <laughs> yeah, but you I know, guess that's, I, that's the point. My yeah. little story about that is that I was working a, a second shift job mm-hmm. at the time. I saw it over the summer, and I rented it. I watched In the Mouth of Madness. I went into work, and as I was doing some menial task, somebody I worked with, one of my coworkers, comes up behind me, apropos of nothing, and says, do you read Sutter Kane? <laughs> Freaked me out. Hit the fucking ceiling. <laughs> There's that synchronicity thing again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that scene. Um, 
where they're eating dinner in the uh, in the cafe and across yep. the street. Oh, there goes the dogs. <laughs> Can you hear that? Yeah, your own monsters. Yeah, they they almost uh, children of the night. What music they make? <laughs> I don't know what they're upset about. But they'll stop in a second. Anyway, uh, when they're sitting in the diner and uh, that guy with the axe comes <laughs> comes at them, I mean, just imagine that, eh? And I like I like that the the kid on the bike that kind of patches them, you know, that yeah, whole little little that. sequence. When he gets old, I always think that he actually looks like John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He does. You, you got to wonder if maybe John Carpenter didn't take the yeah. bike for that. But they added a little bit more hair or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a that's an awesome movie. Um, it, it's way over the. It's definitely got way over the top elements. And you know, honestly, I thought that the people under the stairs um, had that element too. But if you if you want to deconstruct this film, you could say it's very classic uh, Wes Craven too, because you as with there's actually a lot familiar with this story. As with the other two, because you have this this crazy ass family, and uh, people who become stuck or uh, abducted by this family. Yeah. And uh, I think you're right in saying that maybe it doesn't work, at least for you, because of uh, the whole '90s feel to it. Um, what year did it come? In 1991. So it's almost an it's almost like an '80s film too, because it, it really has a strong '80s feel late 80s horror movie feel to it at least and it has that whole element that you know right around that time everyone was starting to pay attention to you know what was going on in in uh urban areas you know there was a lot of a lot of thinking you know boys in the hood and and that whole thing so all of these different movies like people under the stairs have that little element you know there's a lot of oh this takes place in the slums and (laughs) You know, yeah. it just and it just looks so corny by comparison of of things now. Maybe it's because like when I watch something from from the seventies and even even the eighties, I expect it to to be almost foreign looking. But yeah. in my mind, in in my memories of my own life, the nineties seem like not that far away. It seems like just like it just happened. Yeah, but then like I see it on film, right? and I'm like, was that what life really was? It's, yeah, it's 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 true. You you look back at those movies that you were like, I don't know, that seemed so normal back then. Seem yeah, so different now. Yeah, even I mean, like, the eighties aren't supposed to be normal. The seventies aren't supposed to be normal. But yeah. I'm still in the mode that the nineties should be just like today, and and they just weren't. <laughs> and you know, even the film quality, actually, when you watch them, watch most movies that were made in the nineties, it's not that gritty, grainy kind of seventies look. But it's not the nice digital sheen that they have now. It's yeah. you know some kind of strange, watered down, you know, just just the film, just yeah. how it looks. Yeah, film looks so much different from like uh, uh, the way they record things these days. And it's one reason actually why Tarantino says he doesn't want to make films anymore, even though I believe he is working on a new one, um, because he 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 doesn't want to lose that art of. Uh, Manipulating film rather than yeah. digital media. So he, uh, he's that's that's interesting. You know, I watched a whole documentary about film versus versus digital, and mm-hmm. that's 
That's that's a whole interesting topic to me too. Mm-hmm. Well, you uh, you lose a lot of uh, that natural. It's all. It's almost like you know how people still have a, an obsession with vinyl records. Yeah. Uh, because the, the, listening to a record on uh, you know spinning with the needle and everything. <laughs> It, it has its own unique sound to it. Just when you put it on at the very beginning, you can hear what that unique sound is. Yeah, it's warmer. Yeah. I've, I've heard people say, and I, I, I tend to agree. And uh, people just love that sound. There's some people who just collect it for the sake of collecting it, but I, I know there's people out there who who love to listen to records still. Yeah. And I grew up with records myself, but I don't collect them or anything, but... Uh, I grew up with cassettes, I have to admit, but oh yeah, I had, but well, I do I, as as you know, kind of getting way off topic, but I just miss collecting music because everything's digital now. you get your you know you can you can order movies online and you yeah. get your music on your iPod. I've always liked displaying my collection of movies yeah, and CDs and such, <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly the same way. I still buy CDs and well, I still buy like DVDs um. And Sometimes books too. too for God's oh yeah, sake, books the for whole, sure. You know, ebook versus yeah, print. E- lately, I can't, uh, I can't read ebooks for some reason. Uh, lately, I need the physical book in my hands. I don't know why that is. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of strange though. For print. Yeah, me too. I just love having the book in my hand, and I like being able to flip through the book uh, with my hands rather than hit buttons and hope to find what I'm looking for. Uh, I smell some, the pages. Yeah, I do that too. Actually, I, it's, it's take, a little tick that I have. Do you? Yeah, I, I take the book and I, I like uh, I flip the pages so that you get that breeze and I smell yeah. the breeze and you get that. I really love the smell of old uh, old used bookstores. Oh yeah, me too. You know, like I have an libraries. entire short story about that that nobody's nobody's bought yet. So if any oh, editors. Yeah? Are there wanting to read something about classic books? No. <laughs> <laughs> the good old Pick me bookstore. Up. My email is no. <laughs> <laughs> Visit my website. You can see what yeah. else I've published. Contact me. Care of our show. <laughs> yeah. Just to rein us in. I'm sorry, but the I, the one thing that I liked about people under the stairs, and I swear to God, it's the only thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that the the couple, brother and sister. They play Ed and Nadine Hurley on Twin Peaks, which yeah. happened at like just the just the same time. So for a Twin Peaks fan like me, it's like, oh, it's Ed and Nadine. Is she working <laughs> on her silent drapery runners? And so I like that. Yeah, actually, I liked uh, uh, the people under the stairs, which is it kind of runs contradictory compared to the last couple times I tried to watch it for this show. <laughs> because I, I've seen it twice. I've seen it four times now. Uh, I saw it twice before we brought up or decided to do this show, and uh, I liked it. Um, and then I tried well, now to watch I feel it. terrible. I was, no. I'm, I'm taking such joy in bashing this movie. I thought that you were. I thought you were with me, man. No, I'm not <laughs> with you on this one, but that's okay. <laughs> we can have our uh, differences of opinion. Um, I suppose. I suppose. No, but. Uh, <laughs> But it runs contradictory because the last two times I tried to watch it, I tried to watch it last weekend, but I was so tired I fell asleep. <laughs> and then I tried to watch it again last night, same fucking thing. I fell asleep. So maybe I don't like it as much. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. But you I know, just 
I guess if somebody likes campy horror films, yeah. it would be really good. I know that this happens to be my husband's first movie that he ever saw at a drive-in with his mom. But oh, really? That's a. I that's... don't think he, I don't know if he likes it or not. We always just talk about how that's his first movie. Yeah, it, it's. I think one reason why I like it is because it's so out there. It's it's. It's beyond fucked up. I like the uh, the couple that run the house. Um, they're just so insane. Uh, Everett McGill. Him yeah. running around in that freaking freaking leather suit with the leather mask. In the gimp suit. How weird. Yeah. It's just like you're watching this thing. He's got that shotgun <laughs> and he's wearing that suit and you're like, what the fuck is... What am I watching? Like, <laughs> it's just so and- fucked up. Interesting to point out that that means that Ving Rhames was in two separate movies featuring a gimp suit. Now, how weird is that? Uh, maybe it's a thing for him. <laughs> oh, don't start any rumors. He can put us out of business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, he could at least bring some attention our way. <laughs> but uh, uh, he's got this uh, serious look on his face, though. I think maybe that's why they put him in those suits. Yeah. So that, that like I don't know, it's hard to picture him a good as a good guy. You know what I mean? Just with that yeah. that that expression he's always got on his face. He probably is a nice guy. I don't know him from a whole You know, it's wall, weird but... because in Twin Peaks he's he's such a good guy. Yeah. But but of course in that show everybody you know, it's about secrets and, and different sides of people, which maybe he didn't really show in, in his character, but I mean I don't know. I, I, he 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 replaces that good guy very easily with his with his bad guy in, in people under the stairs. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I'm not exactly up on my Twin Peaks. Uh, I've seen the first first half of the first season, and that's about it. I think. I'm trying to remember wow. if I've seen more than that, but no, I don't think I have. <laughs> There's not much more of the show than that. Well, isn't there like BBC. No. isn't there like two seasons to it? Yeah, there were. Yeah, I don't actually remember him in that, so maybe he does look really different because <laughs> because he's like a good guy. <laughs> he really looks exactly the same, but but the roles are so completely different. You, you probably just didn't even register. Maybe yeah, but he also played. Uh, uh, he was also in uh, uh, Silver Bullet. Stephen King's oh, Silver really? Bullet. Yeah, have no, you I seen really that? I don't remember that. He plays. He. Uh, I'm going to spoil this movie uh, a little bit. So if you haven't seen it. Silver Bullet, uh, uh, skip ahead about ten seconds. But he he plays the uh, the priest who is also uh, the werewolf. He does. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So bizarre. I know, eh? I have no recollection of him playing that character at all. Oh, you, you need to uh, find some pictures or rewatch it or something. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, he's even more evil looking in that movie, man. Yeah, he is. I mean, I remember the character. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy shit. <laughs> no, but uh, honestly, I think uh, the people under the stairs, it's sort of striving for the same message, uh, except this one is perhaps a little more, uh, well, like you said, it's kind of uh, 
it's more about uh, what goes on behind closed doors that you don't see. Yeah. It's that violence that uh, that's not outward, sort of like uh, with the Last House on the Left. It's, it's more. Accountable. And what I find just really interesting is all three of these movies that that we've talked about feature booby traps, which of course Nancy uses in Nightmare on Elm Street as well. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious how many times Wes Craven has has written and directed movies that feature booby traps. That, that's a good... I don't know. Maybe there's like a... Maybe you can uh, find a site that would count them or yeah. has counted I, them. I, I bet you anything when he was a kid, he would, you know... I bet I bet that that's what fascinated him. Like, he he probably set a lot of booby traps. <laughs> yeah. Can't you just see that? <laughs> yeah, I could. This little bastard kids digging holes in the backyard and <laughs> covering them with leaves. Uh, let's hope he doesn't put the sharp sticks at the bottom. Yeah, really. <laughs> did you did do you know how uh, Wes Craven started his uh, his career? No, I don't. I don't. D- did you know that he was a, a director of porn movies before? What do you mean? He directed porno pornography. Really? Yeah. That's so weird. Really? Yeah. Uh, it, it it is weird, but that's how he started out, and apparently oh, this isn't. Huh. Apparently, apparently this isn't such a, a off the wall thing. Um, uh, I was listening to this one po- podcast where they're talking about this stuff, and uh, they were saying that it's at least uh, in the eighties uh, and seventies, it wasn't uncommon for uh, you know like the hand grips, uh, all the the crew of a movie yeah. working you know, uh, on a movie during the day and then at night going to work on porno movies doing the exact same jobs. Hmm. I seem I seem to remember there's there's another fairly famous director that got his start doing that too. Right? Yeah. I, it's kind of also interesting that a lot of directors and and writers and even actors start out in horror movies. And then they move on to other things. I mean, you've got Jennifer Aniston in in the, in the Leprechaun movie, and <laughs> yeah. you know, a lot of people do do horror movies yeah. first, and and then they they branch out. Yeah, and they, it's often considered a mistake to be halfway through your career and having an act a good acting career and then doing a horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> always... it's like the beginning of your career, and then after we haven't heard about you for a decade, you'll show up in a horror movie. Yeah. That's, and that's a shame. I mean, I there's so many people that love this genre, and and it gets that weird, weird reputation. that weird vibe, yeah. And uh, it's terrible that uh, people think of it that way because you know, it, it, if you look at horror movies the way people like us do, you, you're gonna find some deep messages beyond all the chaos and and yeah, and sometimes it's, it's right for social commentary, maybe oh, more so than so. any other genre. Yeah, very much so. And uh, that's one reason why I love it so much. And and, and uh, despite some of the some of the weird twists and turns, I mean, it's it's always going to be my favorite genre. Oh yeah, me too. Like obviously, I I watch uh, other uh, types of movies. I love uh, love science fiction movies. I love uh, I like fantasy. Uh, you know, anything really, action movies, comedies. I'm I love so all the Oscar movies. You know, all the serious, dramatic. Oh, yeah, I mean, too. every year. I watch all of the nominated movies, usually not before the awards, but, you know, I work on it throughout the year. I just, I'm, I'm just big into film. I'm just crazy. I, 
I would have been a director had I gone to film school. I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm huge into like just the whole scope of movie watching itself. <laughs> um, it's although it's a, it's not really a horror movie per se, or uh, it's not really movie at all per se. But uh, me and and my wife, we we've been watching a lot of uh, Downton Abbey <laughs> lately, BBC oh, television shows. Yeah, well, uh, we're on like season four now, and uh, I actually really enjoy the show. I I was surprised, but I'm also really big into British culture and and uh, history, so that could be hmm. one reason why I like it so much. But but uh, yeah, that's way off topic, and a bit of a confession. <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh yeah like uh, so but horror is obviously the thing i keep coming back to and it's uh pretty much uh it's my middle ground it's where everything just kind of spreads off from it i guess you could say yeah me too yeah so so it's unfortunate that uh that people like west craven have to you know get old and and die. <laughs> it, it it seems that a lot a lot of celebrities are passing away these days, and it's not just older people; it's younger people too. Yeah, I wonder if maybe that's because I'm more aware of it. You know, they're becoming my contemporaries, so to speak. Yeah. I don't know. It's you know, it's a, not they're not far removed. Like like when I was a kid, it was somebody that I hadn't heard of. Yeah. Um, but you know, it just seems like we every time we turn around, there's somebody who uh, who we love and respect as a as a performer or as a an artist, uh, such as a movie director and writer. Uh, they just they're gone suddenly, and uh, you know we'll never see another uh, Wes Craven film <laughs> or something yeah. like that. But uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman will never be in a Wes Craven movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I guess we could look forward to the uh, new generation because there's lots of new uh, new new people out there doing interesting things like Ty West and uh, oh Christ I can't remember the other guy's name but yeah, um, yeah. James Wan right James Wan yeah he's he, he's doing some really interesting things with uh the whole haunted house thing. I wish he would yeah. try something else, like maybe a, a monster movie. And uh, and really, the you know what Ryan Murphy and Red Falchuk do for for the last four or five years with American Horror Story. Uh, yeah, that's really out of this world. That's some quality stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's another uh, uh, good director out there who's doing some really interesting stuff lately and this one actually has one of the stars from uh from the first three seasons of uh of the show we were just talking about Downton Abbey um the director is Adam Wingard and he's uh, directed oh, yeah. the guest yeah. and uh another one i can't remember the name of but um uh it has Matthew in it <laughs> <laughs> your next that's it yeah your next has uh also has uh oh what's her name Barbara Crampton in it yeah no, yeah that's it yeah you're next that's a good film too I think it's that was next. that was genius maybe yeah. I'm throwing that word around a bit too much but that that was such a relief 
for for every horror fan, I think, to finally, it, it's like that that character, you know, we're always screaming at them to what they should do and to have a character actually do that, you know, to know what the fuck they're doing. That was, yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's an awesome, awesome movie. So, so I guess we, we do have, we still have things to look forward to. It's just a shame that, you know, some of the old masters are, are starting to, to pass, <laughs> yeah. so to speak. But, um, yeah, so I guess, I guess that's it. Um, uh, rest in peace to uh, Wes Craven. Uh, and thank you, thank you, Wes Craven, for for yes. everything that that you you gave us, all the entertainment and moving the genre forward like you did. Exactly, and um, and if reincarnation does indeed exist, I hope you come back and make some more movies. <laughs> yes. Did you get anything else of the witnesses? Yes, sir. Exactly the same story from all of them. Two motorcyclists jabbing at his tire with a knife. Thanks for listening. Um as always, if, if you really want to help out the show, the best way to do it right now is to log on to your iTunes account, subscribe to the show, and uh, and leave a rating and a review if you possibly can. Um, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can do so by uh, uh, you can do so by visiting the website, which is uh, wheredarknessdwells.com. You can visit uh, and like the Facebook page which is at facebook.com slash wheredarknessdwells. And uh, you can also visit us on Twitter, and our handle there is at darkdweller74. And there is an email that you can reach us at, which is uh, darknessdwells74 at gmail.com. And if you want to know more about me, my stuff that I have published... And Michael and his website, you can visit where the the website wheredarknessdwells.com, and we have a, a author bio, or uh, <laughs> we have a bio page for I, I think it's like the staff or something for the Darkness Dwells, and we're the only two staff members. <laughs> so there you have it. Thanks again for listening. And uh, one thing I forgot to mention uh, in the opening, so I hope you're still listening is that uh, look for uh, this week coming up for a, a bonus episode. It's going to be a shorter episode, but what it is basically is um, Darkness Dwells' celebration of Halloween, and so you'll have to stick around and see what what is going to be included in that special uh, bonus episode. So uh, stick around. We have some uh, fun stuff coming up. And uh, we will see you again real soon. Good night. And sweet dreams.